We have been told <clears throat> more than once over the past few months that we are in a battle. And um, freedom is something you have to earn. Uh, very often it's, there's a fight involved. And I think many Christians don't realize that the battle that they're in. In fact, often new Christians, when they become Christians, say, what's happened to me? Life was going smoothly, it seemed a bit, but suddenly I'm being tempted, suddenly it seems if come, things are coming against me. Well, of course, the devil doesn't mess about with you when you're on his side. But when you change sides, then he's after you. And, of course, you soon begin to realize that you're in a battle. Now, this whole thing about spiritual warfare <clears throat> is a subject that, I guess, if you go to a library, there's quite a lot of books written on it. And one thing we have to realize when we read these books, that these books often are born out of somebody's personal experience and their particular understanding of a concept of what it means to have, be involved in spiritual warfare. They're helpful, but they're not always complete. The beauty of the church is that nobody knows it all, only God. What he does is he gives bits here and, he, and we share it around and together uh, we get the whole. And so it's very important that when we come to subjects like this, that we go to the real blueprint. We, we find out where this is. It reminds me of a story of a do-it-yourself catalogue firm that received the following letter from one of its customers. I built a birdhouse according to your stupid plans. And not only is it much too big, but it keeps blowing out of the tree. Signed, unhappy. A few days later, we got a letter from the company saying, Dear unhappy, we're sorry about the mix-up. We accidentally sent you a sailboat blueprint. But if you think you're unhappy, you should read the letter from the guy who came in last in the Yacht Club regatta because he used your blueprint. <laughs> and if you don't get the right blueprint, you can be totally off course. Now, we have a blueprint. It's the Bible. And we can be confident that when we come to that blueprint, and as we read it, we will find out what spiritual warfare really is. For instance, some people think they're in a battle against the world. You're not. That's not where the battle is. You don't fight the world. That is the world system. John says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, you don't fight the world, you just don't love it. You love God more. Somebody said a ship in water is good, but water in the ship is bad. And we live in a world. But the world doesn't live in us, Jesus does. That's why when we come to worship, I want to tell God I love him. I want every devil and demon in hell to know that I'm in love with Jesus and I'm not in love with the world. That's why I speak out. 
That's why I'm sure, because I don't believe the devil can read my thoughts. Only God knows my thoughts. But he sure hears me when I say something. And I'm determined he's going to hear me. And I'm to, I want him to know that I love the world. I'm also not fighting with the flesh, this body, myself. Some Christians think they're, a, they're fighting their body. You know, I've got to bring this body down. I've got to fight it. I've got to fight it. No, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. Now, we know that the works of the flesh are lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, and so on and so forth, as Galatians tells us. But you don't fight it, you kill it. Galatians says this, For those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans says if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. If you are going to live the Christian life like the caterpillar sheds off the shell and then begins to fly, you've got to shed it off. You've got to die to the old life. How do you do that? Well, you live in the Spirit. Every day you say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't want the, I don't want the flesh to tell me what to do. I want you to tell me what to do. <clears throat> so every morning you get up and you say, Holy Spirit, take me today, fill me today. And you get more and more and more filled with the Spirit. And in that way, you win the battle. Because the battle is not against the world and not against the flesh. It's against the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age. Or submit to the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But the question is, where does this battle take place? Now again, I think lots of Christians have haven't got the right idea. You see, this battle takes place here, in the mind. That's where the devil attacks you. Now, he may use all means and other things to try and get at you, but ultimately, what he wants to do is control your mind. And that's where the battle takes place. Romans says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Ephesians says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, what we are involved in as Christians is a battle for the mind. Who's in control of your mind? Let me ask you that question. When you came to church this morning, where was your thinking? Was it with God? Were your eyes upon him? Were you thinking about him? Had you even brought yourself, because you were coming to worship, had you taken a little bit of time, actually, to get your mind sorted out? Because let me tell you something. It is very difficult to worship, and the devil's in control of this. But if God's in control, it's dead easy. Listen to the scriptures that we had this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says this. <clears throat> now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the competence by which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself 
against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Notice it uses words like arguments, knowledge, thought. Here are verses on spiritual warfare, and what they do is they focus on the mind. Now, let me tell you something. Your thinking before you became a Christian is absolutely opposed to God's thinking. And when you become a Christian, what happens is there's a transformation. The old thinking goes and the new thinking takes over. Now, it's a process. And it's a battle. And it's not easy at times. Because the devil, even when you become Christians, isn't it amazing how the devil sows thoughts? You know, you wake up in the morning and you're feeling great. And all of a sudden, there's a kind of little thought that just drops in your mind. And immediately, everything's, you know, everything's kind of agitated. Everything's kind of, you're losing it. And the devil knows that. And he has many ways in which he seeks to dominate our minds. And when that happens, we find it difficult to worship. We find it difficult to pray. We come into a meeting, and it's hard. And who gets the blame? The worship leader. Well, it's not the worship leader. It's you. It's your brains. They're not in focus. But when they are, the meeting is so much different. I want to tell you, friends, you can come into a, a fantastic meeting and not get anything out of it. You can come into a dead meeting, and you can go out absolutely praising God. Why? Because you yourself have put yourself in the right position. Your mind was right. And friends, when your thinking is right, nothing can get you down. You know, Chris Oatham, one of the great men of God in the time of the Roman Empire, was around when one of the Roman emperors was trying to kind of smash out Christianity. And he, he, he found this fellow a pain in the neck, so he, he, he had him brought in. And he said to him, he said, I'm going to banish you if you remain a Christian. Because Otum said, you can't. He said, my, the world is my father's house, so you can't banish me anywhere. The emperor said, well, I'll kill you. He said, you can't because God has my life in his hands. So he said, well, I'll confiscate your possessions. He said, you can't because my treasure is in heaven where my heart is. So he said, I'll drive you away from every human being on the face of the earth. And Christians said, you can't drive a friend in heaven and you can't separate me from him. In fact, there's nothing you can do to hurt me. Now, that's the kind of thinking. Because, you see, he got the whole thing right up here. And, and, and so all the opposition. Now, friends, if we're going to understand this battle, we must understand three things. First of all, we must understand our walk in this battle of the mind. Verses 1 to 3. Let me read 1 to 3 from the message. And now a personal and most urgent matter I write to you in gentle but firm spirit of Christ. I hear that I've been painted as cringe, cringing and wishy-washy when I'm with you, but harsh and demanding when in a safe distance writing letters. Please don't force me to take a hard line when I'm present with you. Don't think that I'll hesitate a single moment to stand up to those who say I'm an unprincipled opportunist. Then they'll have to eat their words. The word is unprincipled, it's dog-eat-dog -dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. Now, here's the interesting thing. Isn't it interesting? In this battle for the mind, what the devil often does is he uses people. You know, the world would be a better, 
a better place without people, with just God. Because we do tend to mess it up, don't we? And even as Christians sometimes, we can cause difficulties. And, and George Bernard Shaw, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm never thought much about the courage of the, lame t- uh, the, the, the lion tamer because he's in a cage and at least he's safe from people. And um, it's true. And you know, Paul had it. He had opposition. He had false teachers. He had people that tried to attack him personally. And although the devil was using them, Paul was determined he was not going to fight them. He was going to fight what's behind it. Now that's important. You know, when people start to be used to have a go at you, it's very easy to react and deal with them in a very aggressive way, in an unkind way. Friends, it's the devil we're fighting, not people. Even if, I mean, Jesus said, you know, don't pull up the tears, leave them to grow. God has sorted out. Sometimes God allows tears to come into the church to teach us patience and kindness and love and all these things. And friends, we mustn't fight them. We fight the enemy. And we must make sure that as Christians, we're walking correctly in this battle because if we don't, we'll just get it wrong. You see, Paul says here, he says, now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. In other words, I am determined that in all this battle, I am going to walk a Christ-like walk. I am going to deal with people as Jesus deals with them. That person that's causing you a bit of trouble, how would Jesus deal with them? Think about it. Here's a thief. And here are people laughing at him, jeering him. He's dying. He's in pain. He's in agony. What does he do? Bolts of thunder, God, no. Father, forget them. They don't know what they're doing. I know what's behind it. I, I understand that they, they really are unaware of what is happening. So forget them. Forget them, Father. And friends, remember it's the devil we're fighting, not people. And let's always, in this battle of the mind, let's always, in, in, in this whole thing, remember to be Christ-like and loving with people. We're not here to smack people around. We're here to win them. And friends, it's so important. And notice it, it says, he talks about the gentleness of Christ. In other words, you need Jesus to help you. Because let me tell you, you're not naturally like that, and neither am I. If somebody starts having a go at me, my first reaction is to throw a hymn book at them. Well, we don't have them now, but we used to. You know, but, but I mustn't do it. It's Jesus in me that was that. It's Jesus in me. I read a story of a captain on a boat that was in a great storm and they put down their anchors and, and, and the boat was still moving, moving, moving. And in the end, they only had one very small anchor left and they threw it in and to their amazement, suddenly the ship stopped. They couldn't figure out why the little anchor had kept the boat still where the big anchors couldn't. When the storm ceased and they tried to pull their anchors up, they had an awful job to get this big anchor up and when they did ultimately get it up, they found it was attached to an anchor from a man-of-war ship that had been lost. And the little anchor had been holding on to another anchor. That's how we do it. 
when we're in the battle, when you're finding it hard, when people are having a go, and they're all getting at you, and you're thinking, you say, Lord, help me, help me. And you anchor in Jesus, and he holds you steady. He holds you still. It's also a courageous walk. Paul talks about these people. He said, you know, these people, they're saying that I'm a, I'm a weakling, I'm a bit of a weed, really, because when I'm in, you know, I'm so loving and kind and nice when I'm in the church speaking, but when I send letters, whoa, you know, whoa. well, he's a coward because he, he'll only write, he, he won't kind of give us the works when, we're there, when he's there. And Paul says this, he said, listen, he says, I don't want to, but if I have to, I will. If I have to stand up for the word of God, I'm going to do it. If it takes courage to do it, I will do it. I mean, after all, he'd face stonings, beatings, hostile crowds, storms. Goodness knows what else. Time and time again, he'd been bold. And in this fight sometimes, you have to be bold. It's not easy. The devil, you know, he's not an easy one to beat. And sometimes it takes courage to stand up for Jesus. Somebody said, don't be afraid to go out on a limb. That's where the fruit is. And that's true. And sometimes you have to go out on a limb for Jesus. Sometimes you have to show courage. But when you do, and you walk that way, you're ready for the battle. Also, it has to be a confident walk. He says, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be. Humility and love is not a sign of fear. To be involved in this battle, you have to walk by faith. You see, the one thing the devil likes to do is attack you with all kinds of doubts and fears. You're no good. You're nothing. You're useless. Look, yesterday you mucked up. You're never going to do it today. And, and he's always constantly, constantly, constantly trying to put us down, put us down, put us down, put us down. Now, when you read the word of God, it lifts you up, lifts you up, lifts you up, lifts you up. Why? Because God wants you to walk by faith. He wants you to understand that in this life, you have to be confident. If we're going to involve ourselves in this mind, not only must we be Christ-like, not only must we show courage, but we must be confident in the fact that I'm a Christian. There was a day, can you point to it, when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. I, I, I can tell you the spot in the Royal Albert Hall, on the top gallery, Easter Monday, when I was eight years old, when I raised my hand and I gave my heart to Jesus. It's there, I know. That was the day when I became a Christian. That was the day when I surrendered my life to Jesus. Can you be confident in that? Because if you don't, you're going to lose. Your confidence will come from that. So it has to be a confident walk. It has to be a careful walk. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk according to the flesh. Yes, we are ordinary people. Paul recognizes it. He was an ordinary guy. He, he, he wasn't some, you know, sometimes we put people who, who, who are used by God on a pedestal. We think they must be mighty men of God. I've got news for you. We're all as stupid as you. We all have our battles like you do. And we all mess up just like you do. It just so happens that God has given us a gift to use and we use it. But it doesn't make us any better. We just do what God tells us to do. So we have to walk carefully. Yes, we have weaknesses. Yes, we have frailties. Yes, we have things in our lives. And we know the devil can attack us. And we know, we all know just where the devil can get us. Because we've all got our particular weaknesses, haven't we? Don't look at me all spiritual. 
We have got our weaknesses, haven't we? We all know just the spot where when the devil comes in, oh, you know, I've got to to sort this out. I've got to sort this out. And so we walk carefully. We don't rely upon talent and wealth and learning and significance and eloquence and position. We rely upon God. And we rely upon him to motivate us with his love. You know, especially in this battle when we're dealing with people, the trouble is very few people show you what the real problem is. Is that right? When were you last time totally, fully, completely, 100% honest with somebody when you're asking their advice? Very few of us are. There's usually a little bit we hold back and we say, well, that's between me and God. And it probably is true up to a point. But we have to be careful, friends, when we're dealing with people. An American soldier coming home from Vietnam phoned up his parents. He said, Mum and Dad, I'm coming home. I've a favour to ask. I have a friend I'd like to bring home with me. Sure, they said. We'd love to meet him. There's something you should know, he said. He was hurt pretty badly in the fighting. He stepped on a landmine and lost an arm and a leg. He has nowhere else to go, and I wanted to come home and live with us. I'm sorry to hear that, son, said his dad. Maybe we can find him somewhere to live. No, Dad, I want him to live with us. Son, said the father, you don't know what you're asking. Someone with such a handicap would be a terrible burden on us. We have our own lives to live, and we can't let someone like that interfere with our lives. I think you should just come home and forget about this guy. He'll find a way to live on his own. At that point, the sun rang off. Never heard anything more until a few days later they heard that their son had died falling from a building. They went to identify his body. And the grief-stricken parents went to the morgue and they recognized him. But to their horror, they found out he had only one arm and one leg. Friends, in this battle and in this involvement in what we're in, we have to be very careful how we deal with people. We must recognize that behind it is the enemy. He's the one we are fighting. He's the one we are involved in, not the people we are facing. No matter how much hatred they show, we must remember that God's child, they are his children, and it's the enemy that's doing it. So our walk must be right if we're going to win this battle. But what about our weapons in this battle? It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. I've read it all. I'll, I'll leave it there for a moment. Friends, let me tell you something. In this battle of the mind, you're not led by yourself. You are given and equipped with some incredible weapons that God has given you. They are there at your disposal, but it's up to you whether you use them or not. Because God intends you to be more than a conqueror. You're on the winning side. You're not meant to be a loser. You're made to be a winner. You're made to conquer the powers of darkness. You're made to conquer the devil. That's why resist him and he will flee from you. But you must use the right weapons. What are they? Well, the first one, let me say first of all, they're supernatural. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. Friends, when you were born again, you were born of the Spirit. 
you had a supernatural birth, then why in the wide world do you keep on trying to live in the old way and not recognize that you are now a supernatural life? You cannot use these weapons unless you are in the spirit because that's supernatural. That's special. And friends, we must learn to live this life supernaturally, to go on to another level. We're not down here, we're meant to be here. No, not with our heads in the clouds, feet on the earth, but at another level spiritually, particularly here in the mind. There are supernatural weapons, there are specific weapons. First of all, we have the Word of God that talks of partnership, the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. I want to tell you, friends, in your battle of the mind, this is the first and the best and the greatest weapon you've got. Jesus quoted it when Satan came against him. It says in, Re in Revelation, they overcame by the word of their testimony. Friends, this book is the greatest weapon that you have. Now let me ask you a question this morning. How much of it have you got in your brain? This week, you put the hours you watch TV, the hours you listen to other people, how much time compared with that did you read the Word of God, spend time with God? Now, friends, it's no wonder we have a difficult time. We've got so much stuff in our brains that the world's put in there and people are put in there and the devil's put in there that we've got nothing of the Word of God. And we're never going to win this battle of the mind if our minds are not full of the Word of God. An Indian boy whose zeal and love were better probably better than his English, wrote about revival, said we're having a great re-Bible here. And that's a good, I, I like that. We should be having a great re-Bible. I'm not going to ask you this, to put your hands up, so don't panic. But let me ask you a question. How many of you have read through the Bible at least once? Why? This is God's word. This is what tells us how to live. This is what tells us how to win. This is the stuff our minds need to be concentrated on. How many of us read at least a chapter a day or a passage a day and take it in? Friends, it's no wonder. It's no wonder we're having a, a hard time of it. It's no wonder we find it difficult. Friends, if we're going to win this battle, this book must find its place. Fill your notes in every week. Now, educationists, tell me if I'm wrong afterwards, but I'm told you, you retain about 20% of what you hear, 50% of what you see, and 80 to 90% of what you participate in. What are these for? They're to help you participate. Are we serious about this, friends? Are, are we really wanting the Word of God to play its place. We're trying to help you. Are you taking advantage of it? Another weapon, the blood of Jesus, protection. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know about you, friends, but every day I say to Jesus, Lord, cover me with your blood. Keep me pure. Keep me holy. So, you know, you just walk around and the dirt clings to you, doesn't it? 
And you need the blood of Jesus to continually, continually cleanse, 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 cleanse. And you keep, need to keep applying it, applying it, applying it. Praise and worship. Presence. Friends, read the Bible. Read the Old Testament. Every time they went into battle, what did they do? They praised God. And they won. Do you know, here's the interesting thing, that even when they'd lost it, even when they were far from God, and they went into battle, as they praised God, the enemy who was going to win was frightened of them. It happened when they came against the Philistines. And it was the praise and the worship. Friends, our praise and our worship should be the most exciting time of our meetings. We should be shouting hallelujahs the minute the worship leader says, let's praise God. We should immediately stop talking and get involved. We should focus. Why? Because we're exercising a weapon that the devil hates. And there's any demons in hell or anything that's trying to stop us or anything that's giving us trouble, the moment you start to praise God, particularly with a large group of people, every devil is scared out of their wits. And they have to go. And when they go, what takes its place? Their place? The glory and the presence of God. When I come to church, I want to I meet with God. Don't you? I don't want to just go out and say, oh, that was a good meeting, not a bad sermon, you know, but it's all right. I'm going to go out saying, I had a personal encounter with Jesus this morning. I felt his presence. I felt his power. Oh, oh. I'm ready for anything this week. But it only comes when you worship and praise God. Now, I, I do admit sometimes God breaks in anyway. Thank God he does. And he has mercy on us. But usually it comes because we do our part. Can I encourage you, friends? Here's a weapon. Even when you're in the car, now be careful using this weapon when you're not in church. You know. But do you ever sing, you know, or listen to good music on your car, gospel music? Do you fill your mind with good stuff? Do you, do you get involved in praise sometimes and have a little hallelujah in the car? You know, they think, yeah, they, they think you know, do you ever speak in tongues as you're driving down? They don't know what you're doing outside, so they just think you're singing a song to the tape. They don't know what you're at. Do you, do you use every opportunity? Because this, this is a weapon. This sorts the devil out. I could go on. Prayer, power. Now prayer, I, I, I just put prayer in because prayer is also a weapon, but it's more than that. Prayer is something we can use. But prayer is also fundamentally about relationship with God. It's about meeting with him. It's about coming into his presence. But prayer is also part of our armory. It's something we can do each day to help us. And let me say, not only are these weapons supernatural and specific, they're also successful. It says the pulling down of strongholds, fortresses. And these are fortresses of the mind. These are things that have been built up over years. You know, when you become a Christian... Sometimes you come Christian when you're later on in life and there's fortresses that have been built up layer after layer after layer after layer of what people have said to you, what you've heard and what stuff. Now, these weapons, they can smash it all to pieces. 
You've got to believe that. No matter what the devil has said to you, no matter what people have said to you, these weapons, they can pull down those strongholds. Even strongholds of sinful habits and pornography and all these things, they can be broken by the power of God. Classing down imaginations, false teachings. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In other words, bringing, bringing those things into captivity so that now your mind is controlled by God and by his word. That's successful weapons. Do you use them? Are you using them? I must finish. What about our will in this battle? Do you know, you do something because your mind is in the place that you want to do it. But if your brain is not telling you to do it, you find it hard to do it. Am I making sense? So our will is important, and we have to bring our will under and in control of our mind, and we must, when, when the battle of our mind is won, then we will will to do the right things. So it has to be a submitted will, bringing every thought into captivity. We have to submit our minds to God. It has to be a serving will. Those words there, being ready to punish all disobedience, it means being ready to remove every obstacle, being, being ready to do what God wants us to do, being ready to serve. Friends, we are in a battle. But we're on the winning side. Amen? We're on the winning side. Let me say it again. We are on the winning side. And friends, we will experience that when we walk correctly, when we use the right weapons in the correct way, and when we will to do it and determine to do it. Friends, I wonder this morning, are you struggling in your mind, in your thought life? Maybe it's with defeat. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's inferiority. Maybe it's unclean thoughts. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's some blackness. Maybe it's sorrow. Maybe it's a lack of confidence. What, what is it? Who's in control? I want to tell you, friends, there's a place you can come to this morning where God can set you free. Hallelujah. Where your mind can come under God and his word and where you can walk out of this place with a new determination to live a life of freedom. The question is, are you ready?